Country 91.5. Almighty God from Passion. Good morning. It's Rise and Stein with Ray Haynes teaching on Revelation as we are uh, in the days of awe, Yom Kippur. So if you want to follow along on the blog, go to victory.radio, click on blog, and you'll be able to follow along. We are in part 11. There are 13 parts. Before I jump in, I'm just going to answer a question that was just emailed to me a little bit ago from another guy named David that I thought was very important because we haven't talked about this since earlier. He says, as a Gentile Christian who's grafted in by faith, how should we observe Yom Kippur? I wasn't prepared to fast today. Honestly, don't feel very good anyways. Do I transgress by eating and being at work today? No. I had assumed that though that these were commands pertaining to the Jews. All right, so uh, you are correct. There's no commands that we're under of any such thing. The fasting that we do or don't do is, is simply a response to Jesus, and it's not so much to be a part of a day, as in the 24-hour day, but it's it's a, it's a lifestyle. This The Day of Atonement is about an appointment with Jesus that we always keep. It happens on these 10 days, just like you kick off a new year. So to answer the question, just to give a personal example, last year, I just uh, I was sick during up to the Day of Atonement. I'm on medicine, and so I couldn't fast. And I've been sick all this one until today. I actually feel better, so I probably will get to for, but the Day of Atonement technically starts tonight through tomorrow. So there you go. It's not today anyways. I'm going to just here early because tomorrow's the Day of Atonement, and so I can't be here. So, um, and if you're in a job that you can't uh, get off work, that's out of your control too. All right. So none of these things, you know, there's no law that you're under. All of this is how you encounter Jesus. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work today or tomorrow, or the next day, pick a day, any day. And that is how you can encounter him. These are special days. I, I really try to uh, follow and observe, but not out of any obligation for law because in all honesty, the more you try to observe law, the more farther you'll get from God. <laughs> that's right. He is the veil. All right? That's right. He tore it down for you so you don't have to. So I hope that's helpful, David. If you're not listening, I will answer your email either way. Okay. The lamb is the judge. Boy, I, I just love the, the, the way that just flows off. The mm. lamb himself is the judge. Seven horns and seven eyes. The lamb, as if it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Okay, so that's uh, Revelation 5. And what we're talking about is the Day of Atonement. All of this is happening on the Day of Atonement. It's tabernacle in heaven, just like the tabernacle on earth. They're copying what, God, what Jesus is doing in the tabernacle in heaven, all right? So it's going on in terms of since his death, he's been interceding for us as that priest who's walking in there. But since he's the veil, it's all open way now. And so it's a little bit different right now, but the basics are the same. Horns symbolize the power that's wielded by the head that controls them. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah. If you got a horn on your head, it's it only has to do with the head goes. So it's about authority. Revelation 5. Just it's not about unicorns. <laughs> only if they're fluffy. Uh, Revelation 5. Just after the lamb had been shown with his seven horns, the saints, represented by the 24 elders, sing a new song to the lamb, saying, You have made us kings and priests to our God. Mm. All right, so follow the theme here. God's people are kings, and as such, they are the horns of Jesus to invade the territory of the enemy. We're pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You worship leaders, this is what you do. That's the actual thing Mm. that you do. 
Jesus, as a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, has empowered his church to take him into all the world. His eyes, or his spirit, or the eyes or lamps, enable his people to see the needs and opportunities around them, and his power enables them to respond effectively. And sometimes it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's, you know, healing or delivering or setting free or whatever. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. First words out of Jesus' mouth when he began his ministry. And remember a while back I told you to remember where the priest is pouring the blood? When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Oh, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you not judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So they're crying about their own blood and his blood. They did not love their lives to the death, sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. This fellowship... And the sufferings of Christ is symbolized by their position under the altar. The altar represents the atoning death of Christ on the cross. Because back in the what that is in, in reality was the mercy seat where the blood was poured. So these martyrs are as close as is possible to, to be to Jesus as he pours out his love and grace. Okay? The ancient sanctuary service, the sinner brought a lamb, confessed the sins with his hands, on its head, transferring his sin to the victim, the, the goat or the lamb. The lamb was slain. Its blood was collected in a bowl. The blood was the life or the soul, the nefesh of the animal. That life or soul is in the blood. So some of the blood was put on the horns of the altar, but the remaining blood was poured at the base of the altar. So thus the soul ended up under the altar. So that's why this pouring of the blood was going to represent all of these martyrs in their nearness to God. So that's why he's pouring blood there. This is the blood that's been poured out by the martyrs. Remember, I think back in Rosh Hashanah, we were sharing the verses uh, in Revelation 6. He opens the sixth seal. There's a great earthquake. The sun becomes black. Uh, and the moon is gone. The stars falling out of the heavens. It's just, it's craziness and the, even the sky departs a scroll like it's rolled up the mountains the islands everything's out of place there's earthquakes everything's shaking the kings of the earth the great men the rich men the chief captains the mighty men every slave every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains said to the mountains and rocks fall on us hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for as the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand and that's the question you got to pay attention to Unfortunately, they don't know the answer, and that's their problem. The answer, who can stand, is why they're in the position they're in. Matthew 25, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. It's apparent that many who believed they were following God were actually refusing to serve him in the person of his needy children. And as much as you did it, not do it to the, to the least of these, in other words, help the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, or in prison, you did not do it to me. Depart from me, you are cursed. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I'll declare to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, people that cannot stand in his presence. Just as the defining mark of the Day of Atonement is rest and fasting, so true repentance of all sin, both known and unknown, was determined by afflicting their soul. This is an inward attitude. Plus, there's the outward symbol of obedience, which is the Sabbath of solemn rest. Stop doing what you want to do. 
The difference between those who are deceived and those who are not has to do with their willingness to love and obey God and know him through his Holy Spirit. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. The coming of the lawless one, according to the working of Satan, this is Thessalonians 2, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's no strong words, but look at the comparison there to receive the love of the truth, mm. but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those are just a strong reminder again, the day of atonement. That atonement word is at one Meant. How do you come into and want become in unified with Jesus? It's through this pathway. Hmm. Part 12 of 13 coming up in just a few moments. It is Yom Kippur with Ray Haynes teaching this morning. You can go to victory.radio and click on the word blog and you'll be able to follow along. It's Risenstein. Good morning. Since 1989.